I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 55. When we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience. Studying Doctrine and Covenants, sections 129 through 132. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Hello again. Um, here we are. Time for nap time devotionals. Another week has passed. Um, we're going to start off in Doctrine and Covenants section 129 verses 7 through 9. Um, I just love these verses. <laughs> they kind of remind me a little bit of the D.A.R.E. program in elementary school. And let me explain why. Because it was impressed upon me from a young age that people, that the information I was given in the D.A.R.E. program was going to be very, very relevant and very important in my life. Um, that people are going to be offering me drugs left, right, and center. And I needed to be prepared to say no and like have good reasons why, you know, like for myself so that I would stick by no, say no to drugs. Well, here I am. I will be 32 in January and not once in my entire 32 years has anyone ever offered me drugs, but I know what to do if they ask me. Um, and so I kind of feel like that about these verses. The chances of an angel or heavenly being coming to be like, hey, Donica, let's talk. Um, I'm going to say about the same chances of somebody asking me drug, asking me if I want some drugs. Actually, I think the chances of me being offered drugs is higher than the chances of me dealing with some kind of heavenly being. But, but if a heavenly being comes to hang out, thanks to section 129, I know what to do. <laughs> So I just love those verses. Those make me giggle a little bit every time. And not that it's not good information, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I wonder, I mean, obviously Joseph Smith dealt with angels all the time. And I'm sure that this is super relevant for like maybe the higher ups, maybe the prophets all have to know this. Um, but the rest of us mere mortals <laughs> who will probably never deal with a heavenly being who we have to figure out where they're sent from. Um, we, we don't need to, we, we don't need to worry about it so much. <laughs> so makes me, makes me smile. Okay. The next, uh, verse I want to talk about, or the next section, I guess, of verses is in section 130. And these are verses three through five. And in this, um, he's, Joseph Smith is talking about other scriptures, right? And um, it says in verse three, the idea that the father and the son dwell in a man's heart is an old, is a, an old secretarian notion and is false. And I have heard this um, from people who have either left the church um, or people who never were members in the first part where they're like, oh, well, I find God in my heart. And you're like, Okay, but you know, he doesn't literally live there, right? And I think what they're talking about 
and misunderstanding is that, yes, we all do have innate divinity, right? Like we all have our divine nature um, because we are gods, right? We are his sons and we are his daughters, literally his sons and daughters um, from our spirits, our souls, which is the combination of our spirit with our body. It belongs to Heavenly Father in the way that our children belong to us, right? That they are they are a part of us. Part of us is in them. Um, but, and I think that that's a good way to look at it, right? Remember that we are, are literally daughters and sons of our Heavenly Father. Our spirits are literally His children. And when we think about our children and how, yes, my kids have um, my round head. <laughs> and, um, I mean, if you look at my brother, he is the spitting... My, uh, see, I'm already messing it up. If you look at Edmund, which is my third kid, he is the spitting image of my brother at that age. And so he has a lot of Palmer in him. Um, but... I'm not in his heart. Like, that's not where I exist. I, I don't reside inside his heart. Like, I hope in a figurative sense I'm in his heart, right? In the same way that he's in my heart and my husband is in my heart and my heavenly father is in my heart. In a figurative sense that I love them and I make space for them there and I want them as a part of me and they are a part of me. But in a literal sense of where we find God, it's not in your heart. Like, you can feel him there, but he doesn't live there. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Because um, I've heard this before where it's like, oh, well, because we're divine inside, like, that's where we find God. It's like, technically, that's half right. Which I want to point out, this might sound a little extreme, but I want to point this out. That's how Satan works, is by, well, technically halfway, right? He works with half-truths. That's why he's so convincing, because he tells you half the truth and then half something that's just just a little bit, tiny bit, like tweaked off of the truth. Um, and I think that that's something super important to, to pay attention to. Um, there's a bunch more verses in um, section 30 that are super cool. Um, and I think it would be really fun to go through and look at them. Like verse 7, verse 15. Um, hi, baby. Verses 18 through 21, I kind of want to, hi, I kind of want to, I was really hoping he'd fall asleep, but apparently not, um, are the ones I want to talk about, 18 through 21, um, and it talks about, this is, this is the section that talks about whatever intelligence, whatever knowledge that we gain in this life is what we take with us. Um, and this is also where our quotation for the chapter heading comes from, right? For this lesson, um, when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience. That is in verse 21. And I want to read the whole verse, right? So, and when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. And I want to point out that I think sometimes we forget that there are lots of people who are atheists, who have left the church, who um, have never been part of the church, or Hindus, who are Buddhists, or Muslims, or 
Catholics or whatever, right? There's so many, so many, very many options that we may disagree with them on a lot of things. Um, and we may agree with them on a lot of things, but they also are under this promise, right? The Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the gospel isn't just for members of the church, right? It is for the whole world. The prophet, right? We're the ones, the, the members of the church are the ones who tend to listen to him. Um, we try, right? Um, but he's also the prophet of the world. He's here for the whole world. Um, he speaks for God or on behalf of God um, to the entire world. And so I want to point out that any blessings we obtain from God are by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Most people, I won't say all because, you know, it's not true, but most people, especially people that consider themselves good people, um, people that by common knowledge would be considered good people, are keep a lot of the commandments, whether they believe in them or not. Most people don't walk around killing people, right? Thou shalt not kill. Okay, check. Obedient to that one. Thou shalt not steal. Most people don't steal, right? Um, hi, baby. And so all of the different... Whoops, don't know. All of the different... <laughs> Um, things that we've been commanded to do, all the different commandments we've been given, if we are obeying them, we are going to be blessed, right? And I don't think it's transactionary in the sense of like, oh, okay, you didn't kill people, well, that's worth five blessings. Um, and you didn't steal anything, well, that's worth two blessings. Um, go ahead and give John over there seven blessings because he didn't kill anybody today and he didn't steal anything today, so like... There you go. Give him his seven blessings. I don't think that's how it works. Um, but I do know that the blessings that we get from God um, come from obedience to the law upon which it is predicated. Um, so I just thought I'd kind of point that out because I thought, remember thinking that one time being like, it's kind of funny. You think about people that left the church. There's still commandments that they're keeping. Most of people don't go off killing random people or stealing things like most of the time, they still keep a lot of those commandments. Um, okay. The next verse I want to talk about in... The last verse I want to talk about in um, section 130 is verse 23. This one talks about how um, a man... Well, go ahead and read it. And I just want to point out that I like this idea that just because you receive... The Holy Ghost, just because you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost does not guarantee that you will always have him with you, right? You have to keep your part of the bargain. Heavenly Father is very big on giving us lots of responsibility. Whoops. Sorry, bonked the mic there. Um, lots of responsibility, but also giving us um, a lot of freedom of choice, right? And I think I hear people say sometimes, <laughs> I hear people say sometimes that, oh, he's trying to take away my ability to choose. But guess what? I have a newsflash for you. No one can do that. There is not a single human being on this planet who can take away your agency. Okay. Um, and I want you to like really think about that. 
Because even people will be like, well, what if somebody holds a gun up to my head and says, you have to do this? Okay, so somebody's got a gun to your head. And you still have the ability to choose. You still can be like, mm, nope, I'm going to be shot. That's okay. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be shot. Okay. Like that you still have the ability to choose, right? You may feel forced into a corner. You may feel like you don't have that choice, but the choice exists. Um, and so I think it's important that we recognize that agency was so important to Heavenly Father. Oh, Sorry, he just headbutted me in the chest. Um, agency was so important to our Heavenly Father that he made it pretty much impossible for anybody to ever take away your agency, which I think is pretty cool. Like, even, whoa, um, even, ow, Anne Frank talks about it, I think, in her diary about being in the concentration camp and, like, Oh, I want to say it's Anne Frank. I could be wrong, but I want to say it's Anne Frank talks about being in the concentration camp and being like, they can't take, they can take away all of the things, but they can't take away my ability to choose to be happy. Right. Something to that effect. I want to say it was Anne Frank. It might not be, I might be completely butchering that, but let's jump to, um, section 131 verses six through eight. Um, I love this part, right? All spirit is matter, but it is more fine or pure and can only be discerned by purer eyes. We cannot see it, but when we, our bodies are purified, we shall see that it is all matter. And I like this idea that we don't cease to exist, right? We know this, but here it is in scripture that we don't cease to exist. Our matter doesn't just stop, right? There's no such thing as immaterial matter. Um, we exist in a way that is more fine or purer and that can only be discerned by purer eyes. I love that so much. Um, and the last thing I want to kind of talk about is um, that in section 132, verses 30 through 33, he talks about Abraham, he talks about Abraham's promises and how we are also have those promises available to us. Um, and I love this because the things that he asks us to do are a lot of the same things he asks Abraham to do. Um, actually, I lied. I have one more thing I want to talk about after this. But God is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. God is the same always. Um, which is very cool. I love that. Okay. Last thing. Um, oh, just kidding. Two things. <laughs> it's hard to concentrate. I'm not going to lie with a squirmy little baby who keeps grabbing your throat with his pointy little claws. Um, so in section 132, verses 48 through 50, I'm going to read 50 real quick because I love this one. Behold, I have seen your sacrifice and I will forgive all your sins. I have seen your sacrifices in obedience to that which I have told you. Go, therefore, and I make a way for your escape as I accepted the offering of Abraham of his son, Isaac. And I love that idea that sometimes I know, especially as a mom, it feels like nobody sees everything that I do. Nobody sees, 
me up at two and at four and at six with the baby who will just not go to sleep. No, and then, you know, I have to go through, and then I have to go throughout my day with the other kids. And nobody sees me kissing boo-boos and wiping poopy butts. And nobody sees me sweep the dang floor because by the time my husband gets home, it looks like it hasn't been swept in days, even though I swear I swept it today. I actually didn't sweep it today. I swept it yesterday. But that's not the point, right? Like, there's so many things that we do every single day that we feel like nobody sees this. Nobody sees the sacrifice that I'm making for my family. Nobody sees... The sacrifice I'm making to be the mother to my children, to be home with my children and be the one who's here to greet Julia when she gets home from school and here to teach Ginny about her letters and numbers and here to listen to Edmund tell his stories that are so long and about cars and other things that I don't even understand half the time or to listen to the baby and to hold him and cuddle him and be bitten ow, ow by him. <laughs> Nobody sees these things except somebody does. Heavenly Father sees every single sacrifice, even the sacrifices you don't let anybody see. Even those sacrifices that you give up and not a single living person on this planet knows that you gave that up. It is the one that you hold nearest and dearest to your heart. Heavenly Father sees all of our sacrifices and he knows them. And I, I love that. I feel seen when I think about that. I know that Heavenly Father knows us. In our dark moments, in our happy moments, he's there for all of it. And how beautiful is that? How how wonderful it is it that we have a father who sees every single part of it and knows us. Not just the part that we let people see, not just the part, the mask that we put on um, that's a happy face that everybody gets to see, not the friendly person that everyone knows. But all of it, even the deep, dark, scary parts that we're scared to even admit that we have, he sees it and he knows it and he loves it, right? One of my favorite quotations from the general, from um, October general conference was about how God knows us. God sees us exactly the way we are and he loves us exactly the way we are. And he loves us too much to leave us that way, right? He knows our potential. It's, I think about it, and I think sometimes people are like, well, no, because if he really loved us, he wouldn't ask us to change. And I don't think that that's true at all, right? I have in my hands a very squirmy and wiggly little baby today, and I love him exactly the way that he is with his diapers and his wiggliness and his biting me in the face and pulling my hair. And is it my favorite part of motherhood? Probably not. I don't enjoy being bitten and having my hair yanked out of my head, but I love him exactly the way that he is. He's this sweet and precious little baby, but I also know he is capable of being so much more than this adorable little blob of love. He is capable of so much. He's capable of learning kindness. He is capable of learning to control his passions. He's capable of creating. He's capable of 
becoming a leader, becoming a follower of Christ, becoming an example. He's capable of so much. And I want that for him. And I love him exactly the way that he is. And I love him too much to let him stay a little baby for forever. Not that I could keep him this way, even if I wanted to. But I hope that makes sense. I hope that that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. Um, last thing I want to talk about is um, in verse 132, or just kidding, in section 132, verse 56. Um, it talks about Joseph Smith and Emma and how Emma needs to forgive Joseph Smith and then she will be forgiven of her mistakes. And I think that sometimes people would read this and be like, well, how come she has to forgive him before she can be forgiven? Like, that's not fair. Except we're asked to do that over and over again. We are asked to forgive always. And then God will forgive whom he forgives, right? And I think the reason that we're asked to do that is because when we show up, when we forgive, when we show forgiveness, when we offer forgiveness, we understand um, how incredible Heavenly Father is to forgive us. And we are better capable of forgiving again, if that makes sense. Anyway, I will talk to you next week because this baby's going to blow a gasket. <laughs> <laughs>